Amen. All right, we'll be in the Gospel of John, chapter number 9. I apologize again for this screen to my right. Um, we keep trying to work on it and troubleshoot it. We've bought another projector for it. It'll work Sunday night. It'll work Wednesday night. It'll work any other time we try it except for Sunday morning service. And uh, I, am, I am growing irritated over that. I'm thinking sledgehammer, what do you think? I mean, at that point, and uh, I like for everything to be working exactly like it's supposed to, and I apologize for that. Let's all stand, if you would, this morning, a Gospel of John, we're going to be in chapter number 9, and uh, we're going to focus, we're going to, we're going to uh, this entire chapter is about what Jesus does in the life of one individual, and we're going to we're going to uh, just pick up in verse 24, and uh, we'll read down to about verse 38 this morning, and just to get the context of what is taking place here, all right? Jesus has healed a man that was born blind, and they, the, the Pharisees, the religious authority, have got him, and they're trying to figure out what took place in this man's life. And so begin reading with me in verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Speaking of this man, speaking of Jesus Christ. And uh, this man who was healed responds in verse 25. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes? Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Our Father, as we 
get in the Word of God today, we seek to answer a very important question. And that is, who is Jesus? And I pray that you will help me to preach your Word. And to and may your Word deliver a very clear picture of who Jesus is and what He desires to do in all of our lives. Again, I pray today, there's one that doesn't know Jesus to be their personal Savior. Right now, may your spirit begin conviction. May you move all of our hearts into a greater walk with you. May we never forget who we were before Jesus and who he is making us to become today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Who is Jesus? That's the question this morning. It's a captivating question. And one that every man and every woman must come to a decision on. There will come a day that every knee and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ. It's better to do it today than it is on the other side of eternity. It's better to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior than it is to stand for our own sins at the judgment give an account for what we have done with Jesus and the fact that we chose to reject Him and the opportunity that we have. Every person must decide what they're going to do with Jesus. H.G. Wells said, I am an historian. I'm not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Napoleon Bonaparte was recorded to say, I know men and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius but upon force? Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Jesus, Jesus once presented the disciples with such a question while on the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, he asked them, he says, Whom do men say that I am? And the disciples admitted that there was a bit of confusion over who Jesus was Amongst the unbelieving world, they say in verse 14, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
So Jesus then asked them personally in verse 15, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's who Jesus is. This morning we are presented in chapter 9 of John's Gospel with a testimony of one whose life was completely changed. He was a sinner, a man blind, born blind, an individual who met Jesus and was not only changed physically, but he developed a relationship stick with the one who would later give himself a ransom for the sins of us all. As Jesus approached this individual in our text this morning in verse 35, he presented him with a question. He says, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And the man responded in verse 36, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus' response in verse 37 is that basically you are, you're looking at him. The one who is speaking to you is he. And the man answers in verse 38, Lord, I believe. And the Bible says that he began from that point to worship him. On July 29, 1982, I came across Jesus. He was no longer just a name that I had heard. He was no longer, he was no longer a, uh, a Bible lesson. He was no longer a picture on a piece of paper. At that moment, Jesus Christ and who he really was became real to me. And that night, Don, I made a decision to believe in Jesus. And the question today is, do you believe in Jesus? Do you, no, I'm, I'm not talking about, do you, do you know the name? I'm talking about, do you have this personal relationship day after day with a man called the Son of God? On that day, at that very moment, this man chose to believe in Jesus despite the culture in which he lived and what others had said. And the question is, why? What did he understand about Jesus that caused him to believe? Well, thankfully, we have in the inspired scriptures this morning a testimony of a man who made such a decision. And there was plenty who didn't understand yet. There was, there was a lot about Jesus that he didn't know yet. There was, it was just the beginning. But what he discovered that caused him to put his faith and the living Savior will help us all. And the first, if you'll go back to the beginning, in verse number 1 and 2, the first thing that he discovered was that Jesus is a friend of sinners. It says in verse 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, Cecil, that Jesus has a way of passing by. You'll find that often in the scriptures. He, he has a way, Billy, he has a way of getting in our way. All right? Like, like think, of, uh, think of Zacchaeus, you know. 
he climbed up in that sycamore tree because he was a wee little man, right? And he wanted to see Jesus, and Jesus just happened to make his way to where Zacchaeus was. In John chapter 4, Jesus purposed in his heart to go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria because there was a woman at the well who had a number of divorced husbands and at that time was just living with a man. But she needed to meet Jesus in the way. And I, I'm going to tell you something. When you come together in a worship service, Jesus just has a way of finding you exactly where you are. All right? And so he's got something for you this morning, and he's got something for you each and every day. Jesus, he, he saw this man that was born blind. And that wasn't unusual. We see him often healing people who were blind. And he often did it in different ways. But I want you to see that the disciples, as they approached him in verse 2, they had a question. And there was something that they wanted to know. They, they asked Jesus, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, when Clay fell off the roof, the first thing everyone wants to know is, what did you do? What happened? What caused that, you know? I, I, I mean, we, we see someone's situation and we wonder what what did they do that got them in that situation? And the disciples were just like you and I. They, they saw him and they, they, they wanted to know, well, well who sinned? Who, who caused this? They were interested in his past. And lots of times people are. But Jesus is interested in our future. Amen? He's just as interested in our future. So they asked, who did sin? Well... I mean, the truth is, who hasn't sinned? Can I get an amen? Galatians 3, verse 22 says, The Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. And Solomon, in all his wisdom, said in Ecclesiastes seven twenty, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And I'm going to tell you something. When you get around the jail ministry... And you go and you hang out with those guys, you realize really quick that they're there because they got caught. You're not there because you didn't. Amen? You realize that there was, but for the grace of God, your life could be in a completely different scenario. All right? And so we often look at people and we, we look at their sin and we want to judge them by their sin. And so the disciples said, well, who sinned? Was, it his, that his, was his blindness as a result of something he did wrong? Was it something the result of something his parents did wrong? And the truth is, we could really get to it, our life could be completely different because of our own sin. Charles Spurgeon, I quote him, he said these words, You are no saint, says the devil. Well, if I'm not, I am a sinner. And Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Sink or swim, I go to him. Other hope have I none. It's only in Jesus. So, they get to the, you get to the end of verse number 2, and we see the real reason that they ask the question, why... 
who did sin. They, they wanted to know what did, he, what did he do that was so wrong. Who did sin that he was born blind? The disciples understood that judgment is a part of sin. And we understand that, all right? Before Adam and Eve sinned, everything was perfect. Life was perfect, all right? It was wonderful. When Adam and Eve sinned, curse came upon the world, and therefore we deal with death, we deal with sickness, we deal with hurting, we deal with loss or the fear of loss. We deal with all of those things because judgment is a part of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And in Hebrews 9:27 it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment. Now, the apostle Paul understood it very well. Some sins are known by all, but some think they have everyone fooled. And I tell you who you and I don't have fooled, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, meaning we, they got caught. We know what they did wrong. He says, going before to judgment, but some men they follow after. Some men have been pretty good at hiding it. They have hid what they have done wrong. But God knows, and God still has to deal with that. I, uh, I recently told this story. I was, I was preaching at the rescue mission years ago. And I, uh, I want you to turn your Bible to chapter 3. And uh, after, after the uh, message, I stood around, I was talking to people. And uh, there was one guy who very sincerely asked me a question, and he was asking me about Jesus. He was asking me about sin. And then he came and he just asked, he says, why are, why are you condemning us? And I said, brother, that's far from the truth. And I took him to John chapter 3. And I want you to look with me in verse 16. Well, what, what does it say? For God so loved the world, right, that, that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's anyone, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the wonderful message, right? Uh, but look at verse 17 and verse 18. Jesus said, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I read him those scriptures. And I said, you know, Jesus didn't come to condemn. And he was perfect and sinless. And I said, I'm not coming to condemn. What all of us need to understand is this. We're already condemned. We're condemned because of sin, because of decisions we've made. I said, Jesus came, and therefore I am trying to offer Jesus Christ to everyone. Because whoever believes in him shall not suffer condemnation. In Christ, there is no condemnation. 
All right? I said, so I'm not here to condemn you. I want you to understand you condemned yourself. And I'm just here trying to get you out of that. Well, that changed the entire conversation. Jesus didn't come to condemn. I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm just here to point out a truth. You've sinned, I've sinned, we all come short, and if we don't get to Jesus, we're all, we're all hopeless. So I want us to know this, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Secondly, Jesus is a strength in our weakness. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, he says, I am the light of the world. Although this man was a sinner, he was not blind because of something that he did. He was just born that way. He had a congenital defect that would label him into the world as handicapped. It was his weakness And because he was blind, Jackie, he was left in darkness. But Jesus approached him, Bobby, in order to give him light. Jesus shines in the darkness. We don't find the man approaching Jesus. In verse 6, Jesus came to him. And the Bible says that he spat on the ground. Sometimes Jesus, sometimes Jesus just told them to go their way. Their faith makes them whole. Jesus, a lot of time, he dealt with a blind individual in different ways. Sometimes he just touches them and he's whole. This time, Jesus kind of knelt down and he spit on the ground. And he took that spit and that dust and he made a little cake of mud. You remember when you made mud pies as a child? And he took that mud. I just thought about this. I always tell the boys when they're hurt, I just say, rub some dirt on it. That's Bible. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's Bible right there. He, he spit on the ground. He made some little mud, and he rubbed it in his eyes. I wonder how the health profession feels about that. He take, takes dirt and mud, and he rubs it on his eyes. And then look what it tells him to do. He says, now I want you to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Now, that wasn't the only pool. That's the pool Jesus sent him to. And so the guy with dirt on his face, mud on his face, is led to the pool of Siloam. Jesus was very specific. And he obediently went his way, and he washed. And his obedience to the Lord led to his dramatic transformation. A lot of people... don't want to do it Jesus' way. They want, to be, they want to add things as we started off in the service. Jesus is very specific. He says in John chapter 14, verse 6, what does he say? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but through him. Right? Very specific. Jesus is the only way. So the only way to heaven is to get through Jesus. Now, let me, before I press on, let me say this. Why is it? 
Why is it that we think as believers Christ is not still specific in our life? Why is it that we think that we can live the Christian life in our own way how we feel like it should be lived? When Jesus is very specific in his word and how he wants to live how he wants us to live our life how he wants us to be obedient in our Christian walk and how we're to be led by the spirit and not by the flesh But I believe that most Christians are not in the word of God they're not seeking to be led of the spirit of God but we're living our life in the best way that we know how to live it. And then we wonder why we end up in such a mess. He's very specific. And we have to spend time with him for him to provide the direction. Our weakness may be that we don't know Jesus We know that we're a sinner and we fall miserably short. But I'm thankful to say that Jesus is coming. Jesus comes to us for when we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But we got to go to him that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Turning a new leaf, starting a new life. Getting a surgical procedure doesn't change our heart and our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is obediently coming to him. Thirdly, Jesus changes lives. In verse number 8 of chapter 9 in our text, The neighbors therefore and they which before had seen him that he was blind said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said... This is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I'm he. When we met him, he was observed and analyzed by the disciples over his sin. In verse 8 and 9, he's being questioned by his neighbors. Aren't you that blind beggar? Aren't you that guy who shamelessly was always asking for help. Aren't you that drunkard? Aren't you that, aren't you that person? Oh, I could tell some stories about Steve Holson back when he was without Jesus. Not really, I'm just saying. I didn't know Steve Holson back before he... But there are people who do. I once had a lady, I was working in her house. And uh, I'd been uh, talking to her about the Lord and invited her to come to church. And she came, her and her husband came. And uh, uh, turns out one day she asked me if I knew this particular person. And I said, yeah, I know her. And she said, how well do you know her? And I said, well, I said, I haven't seen her in quite a while, but she knew who I was when I didn't live for Christ. And she said, oh, so she could really give me some good stuff on you. 
And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, if that's what you're looking for, you can find you can find a lot of things wrong with me. I said, but who you've gotten to know is a person whose life's been changed by Jesus Christ. A lot of times, a lot of times people want to keep you down. They always want to bring up everything you've done wrong. And a lot of times, you have a hard time getting over what you've done wrong. And even when you got it going right, the devil just brings it back to you, doesn't he? All the neighbors were thinking was, isn't this the guy who used to do this? All Jesus can think about, this is the guy who's about to do this for me. Verse 13 through 17, he's challenged by the religious authority. They try to find holes in his story. And they give him a hard time for, for believing in a man named Jesus. In verse 18 through 23, they question his parents, who at best loosely support him. They say he's of age, you just ask him. Don't ask us. In verse 24 through 34, he's cast out by an unbelieving mob. But none of them could deny the transformation he received through his encounter with Jesus. Suddenly, everyone is no longer focusing on what is wrong with you. They're focusing on what is right with you. In verse 10, the neighbors asked, how were thine eyes opened? What is the difference? What changed your life? And his response in verse 11, a man that is called Jesus. And when Jesus was rebuked, he answered back in verse 25, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. There's a lot of things that I don't know about Jesus is what he's testifying there. He says, but one thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. I don't have it all figured out. Todd, I don't, you don't have it all figured out, but, but what he's testifying is this. This is what I do know. Okay? He didn't know all about the theology and there was a lot of thing, terms that he couldn't use, but he knew this. Before I met Jesus, I was blind and hopeless, but today I can see. And I am a new and changed man. And he's going to develop in his relationship with Jesus. Jesus is going to come to him, and he says, you're going to believe in me. And he's going to worship him, and he's now going to grow. And he is going to become this new individual. A man whose past is way back there, but a man who's walking for the Lord today. And that is what he wants out of Larry Kirkpatrick and Bobby Stennett. And that's what he wants out of all of us. 
He doesn't want us to wander through life blind and hopeless and trying to figure out our way. He just wants us to see through the eyes of faith and to walk with Jesus Christ and let him lead us each and every step of the way. He wants people to look at us and say, John Hawkins is not the man I once knew. Let's wrap it up. In verse 35, we see that Jesus wants us. Jesus had heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? One of the great mysteries is that Jesus actually desires us. When no one wanted anything to do with him. And when his newfound faith is being challenged, Jesus draws near. Christ sought this man out. He didn't wait for him to come. Jesus went to him because he loved him just as he loves you and I. And he confronts him with one question that really mattered. Jesus wanted to know his answer. Do you believe? Do you believe? And when he said yes, he began to worship the Lord. And that is where all of us should be. Heads bowed and eyes closed.